Starcourt Study Hall contains spoilers for all seasons of Stranger Things. Episodes may also contain graphic content and language not suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The views and opinions expressed are those of the hosts unless otherwise stated, and all content and characters are property of Netflix and the Duffer Brothers. I'm Marina. And I'm Amanda. And this is Starcourt Study Hall. Today on Starcourt Study Hall, we are going to be talking about Chapter 4 of Season 2, William the Wise. (laughs) It's his legal name. Yes. William Byers the Wise. (laughs) William William Byers the Wiser. Whoa. William and his middle name is the Wise Byers. (laughs) (laughs) Will the Wise Byers. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, that's it. As you all may or may not know, this chapter, as long or as well as everything else about this show, was written and directed by the Duffer Brothers. And it was released on Netflix on October 27th, 2017. And as we've been doing, we're going to we're going to keep up with this because it's fantastic. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're just going to read the Netflix summary because it tells us all we need to know. So much. There's so much in here. Yeah. Just if you don't want it to be spoiled, close your ears. An ailing Will opens up to Joyce with disturbing results. While Hopper digs for the truth, Eleven unearths a surprising discovery. What is this? (laughs) I love digs and unearths. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Wow. They really were leaning into the whole dirt theme here. Yes. (laughs) Okay, so let's 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 um do some fast facts for William the Wise. So the first fast fact is that Bob is not in this episode at all. Aw, yeah, I missed this, him. Yeah, this is the first chapter in season two where there is no Bob. Yeah, sad. Also, apparently, the scene when Billy grabs Max's hand or her wrist was mm-hmm. not in the script. This was something that Sadie and Dacre apparently worked out on set. Cool. Yeah. Thanks, yeah. IMDb. That's a really cool detail, I f- feel like. And it and it felt like Sadie's reaction was, like, very genuine. Yeah. I guess they... I think it said on the, the IMDb that they wanted to try to increase the tension between the two characters. Ooh, okay. And last but not least, from the wiki, the scene between Hopper and Elle in the cabin where she blows out the windows of the cabin, mm-hmm. was shot without any visual effects. So this was supposedly the crew actually blowing out the windows. Wow, that seems really dangerous. Yeah, so that was fun. I wonder if it was, like, legit glass or, like, it was hmm. like candy glass. Maybe. I wouldn't be surprised if it was candy glass. Yeah, it seems... Or something. Safer. S- safer than real glass. Yeah. You know, yeah. they have their glass suits on that day. Yes, <laughs> their glass suits. <laughs> so yeah, those are those are the fast facts for this chapter. Cool. This was a really, I don't know, I feel like I didn't really remember what happened in this episode until we rewatched it. Yeah, there's a lot. <laughs> yeah, there's just so much going on. I, I was saying to Marina before, like, it feels like 
this episode is packed with like major plot points all happening simultaneously across like 75 different main characters. Yeah, but when you you said that earlier, it got me thinking about how a lot of what's going on with the different groups of characters, although they're not dealing with the same events in that moment, Mm -hmm. the overarching, I guess, like, there's like themes that the co- that the characters are dealing with. Yeah. That makes it easier to not be distracted by all the different storylines happening at once. Right. And it kind of feels like uh, sort of all the different stories are just about the pursuit of truth. Yes. Yes, exactly. Or like choosing to continue secrecy or discontinue secrecy. Like mm. there's a lot of that going on too. Yeah, true. So, cool. yeah, truth and secrecy. That's yeah. what's happening here, I think. Yeah. We're right. Big big themes in this episode, for sure. Mm-hmm. All right. Yes. So, that being said, let's get into it, our scene-by-scene breakdown. So, this episode opens with Joyce arriving at Hawkins Middle School very fast on a on a 20-mile-per-hour <laughs> road. <laughs> very fast. Um, she arrives, and she is anxious as ever, looking for Will, who is standing completely motionless in the middle of the field outside the school. When Joyce, Dustin, Lucas, and Max find him, Mike is already on the scene trying to wake him up. Unfortunately, the shadow monster <laughs> is still injecting its material into him, unbeknownst <laughs> to our heroes. Disgusting. Will finally snaps out of it, abruptly opening his eyes title card can i just start off with this nonsense about the soundtrack please oh yes please do okay so in our the polywog episode i had mentioned a youtube channel that seems to have ripped the unreleased music from stranger things and put it into little songs on youtube so i wanted to put the name or i wanted to say the name of the account which is The Soundtrack Dealer, which is, yes, as sketchy as it sounds, but (laughs) (laughs) this account has 998 tracks pulled across all four seasons. There's other other music on there from other, like, shows, that kind of thing, but the Stranger Things playlist alone is 998 songs. My goodness. Yeah, so this person has ripped every little interlude song... Everything that was unreleased, not on a score, it is all there. So these little pieces of music that we're hearing that I'm like, what the hell is that? They can be found on this YouTube channel, The Soundtrack Dealer. And yeah, the reason that I mentioned this right now is because the song that's playing right at the start of this episode when Joyce is speed demoning her way down that Mm -hmm. street has been titled, Wake Up. Wake Up. Wake Up. Okay. Chrissy. Chrissy. (laughs) (laughs) Like, what? (laughs) Hey kid, you want to buy some soundtrack? <laughs> Why is so he sketchy? like opens his trench coat and there's like MP3s inside. <laughs> like why? I, I like it. I it's you know it's it would risque. be great to like put on as just like background to your day. Ooh, just like yeah. put on this soundtrack of Stranger Things, all 998 songs. Yeah, and lose yourself in the music, the moment you, you know. own it. You own it. Mom's this isn't spaghetti. the first time we get an Eminem reference this chapter, but I oh, won't give any spoilers. More. Okay. Yes. I'm excited. <laughs> wow. Thank you for that. <laughs> yeah, sure. So, yeah, the soundtrack dealer. Watch out, kids. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> Parents out there, be warned. Yeah, don't be careful. <laughs> the pirate on the loose. <laughs> soundtrack. <laughs> a pirate on the loose. That's so good. Uh, oh, my gosh. Okay. Okay. <laughs> 
Well, that was useful information. Thank you. And especially during Halloween time, again, whenever that happens, you know, that's going to be a great YouTube channel to just listen to at work. True. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. So I felt like when we see Will, you know, in the real world, but he's like in his trance, he really looks Mm -hmm. like he's being vicked. Like he does. His eyes are rolling back. Yes. Yeah. I don't know. It reminded me a lot of how Vecna's victims looked in season four. Yeah, and I think what's what makes I mean, even though it didn't start this way, what makes this exact part of this possession scene different from his previous episodes is we've noted multiple times that in his other episodes he's moving throughout his world. But mm. by the time he's standing in the field and he's decided to stick it to the mind flare, he's standing perfectly still, which I think does add to the Vecna ish yes. quality of this Ugh, problem. So creepy. It is creepy. This is the first time Max is really seeing yeah what is going on but still they all continue to keep her out of the loop and in the dark yeah i i actually had a similar thing to say about this i said how could they not like max after this if i was like new to the friend group and i saw this i'd be like i'm sorry i'm out like i can't (laughs) i cannot do this there have got to be other kids at this school who aren't who aren't tied up in whatever the hell this is sorry guys i don't need to be in your party that bad i'm gonna go join chess club or something like (laughs) like honestly how could they not appreciate the fact that she is still trying desperately to be part of their friend group even after witnessing that i know it's it's absurd and i think that brings that raises the theme that we mentioned in our overview of this like belonging Mm. and i feel like with this chapter we really see max trying to belong in this party but we also see her trying to belong in this family that she's has to deal with now because of billy and she kind of just fails to belong not only socially but like in her family yeah that's so true i didn't think about it that way like you know all the weirdness aside of them kind of pushing her out i think she realizes that she's kind of a fish out of water just like the Mm -hmm. boys and i feel like she she realizes like this might be her best shot at actually finding friends that makes sense. Yeah. She's like, oh, these these people got baggage. I got baggage. We right. all got baggage. Yeah. No, that that's a good point. Yeah. But good for Max for really trying to stick it out. Our next scene is a real short one. Joyce, <laughs> <laughs> Joyce takes Will home as the boys and Max observe that his episodes are worsening, though they still refuse to clue Max in. All I did with this tiny scene was define true sight because this Ooh. is the second time we get the reference. Yes. And Max is the one who actually asks what true sight is after the boys reference it again, which is yet another infuriating social problem. Like when they're talking about something on the inside and they're like, well, and she's yeah. like, well, what's that? And they're like, what? Just, 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 it's nothing. Just whatever. It's nothing. They don't, I feel like they don't even acknowledge that she asks about, Barely. they just keep talking. Yeah. Yeah. That's awful. It's like being, it being is like with people who are talking about plans that they have later that you're not invited to. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Hate that. Just talk. Just take me out of the group group text. Take right, me out. You don't have to do I don't this. Need it. Yeah, you could you could spare me the pain. Right. Anyway, true sight from the D and D wiki. It says a creature with true sight can, out to a specific range, see in normal and magical darkness, see invisible creatures and objects, automatically detect visual illusions and succeed on saving throws against them, and perceives the original form of a shape changer or a creature transformed by magic. Furthermore, the creature can see into the ethereal plane. Interesting. So I feel like that implies that what Will is seeing is actually 
happening in Hawkins, like in real life, and he's just the only one who could see it. Mm, yeah, it's just happening on another plane. Right. Like it's there, yeah. but it's not, but he can see it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, I, I definitely think we have something. And I mean, I know we've drawn a lot of comparisons between Henry and Will, but I think now knowing the state that Max is in with her eyes, mm-hmm. I think we can probably afford to maybe draw some Will and Max comparisons too yeah yeah maybe maybe yeah mm-hmm. there okay so i don't actually play this game but my fiance eli does it's called bloodborne i'm sure many of you out there have heard of it it's from the same studio that made elden ring which was very popular mm-hmm. last year game of the year actually but mm-hmm. bloodborne is an earlier you know thing from from software and it's actually referenced a little later in this season because the Duff- yeah the Duffer brothers are apparently like known to be fans of these games. I I do actually have a Bloodborne reference in a later episode Ooh. that I'll that I'll get to. Yeah, kind of interesting. Um Oh, that's fun. Yeah, but like the true sight thing makes me think of this mechanic that happens kind of later in the game where like there's like these monsters there that you can't mm-hmm. you can't see until you get enough insight in the game. Mm. So yeah, I wonder if that's kind of like it's like related a little bit to D&D, like if that was kind of pulled from True Sight. It's also reminding me a little bit of the Thestrals. Yes. From Harry Potter, which you can only see once you've witnessed death. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Which is why Luna and Harry can see them, but nobody else can. And everybody just thinks the carriages are pulling themselves, but they're not. Right. Nobody ever questions it. I mean, you know, it's, you know. <laughs> it's Harry Potter. Yeah. <laughs> I guess that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Yeah. At the buyers, Will says he has no recollection of what had just transpired, but Joyce thinks that this is some BS and produces Will's drawing of the Mind Flayer and also produces her really rough sketch of True, <laughs> the yes. Mind Flayer. Yes, that as well. He becomes emotional, and as he's recalling his episodes, he tells Joyce he doesn't know what it wants. He tells her that it got him, and he can feel it everywhere, and she swears... <laughs> To protect, not attack. (laughs) I think at this point, knowing what we know about the rest of the season, not upon first watch, right? But with the context of the rest of the season, rewatching this scene and Will's unwillingness to be truthful, we don't know if he's being honest like or if he's trustworthy at this point right wow so true i didn't i didn't think about that because i actually wrote like i don't get why will is being so reluctant to tell joyce what's going on Mm. because she obviously under like she knows something is up Mm -hmm. so i was like i don't understand but that makes sense he's under the influence if you will yes he's already got a got a a dui a a i don't know what the d stands for but he's under the influence (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so, like, is he still being not transparent with Joyce because he's still trying to preserve her feelings? Or is he now double-agenting and not wanting to give away what's actually going on because the mind flare is influencing his behavior? That's a great question. Yeah, he might already be spying a little bit. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I also like how Will said—or, I'm sorry, how Joyce in this scene says no more secrets— And we've been talking this whole time about secrecy and a lot of secrets are blown wide open. So this episode Mm -hmm. starts with Joyce like no more secrets. And then by the end of the episode, 
there's not a lot of secrets anymore. You get Jonathan and Nancy getting the tour of Hawkins Lab. Right. You get Elle finding the Hawkins Lab box and discovering her mom. And you get Hopper discovering what's going on with the vines and hitting his tentacle <laughs> uh, thing. No more secrets. Wow. That is so cool. Like, yeah, I love when shows kind of do that meta thing and like reference. Mm-hmm. I, I love that. And that's a really yeah. good catch. That's so cool. Yeah. I also think, I'm sorry, I have a lot. No, I'm really ahead. bad. No, keep going. I also think that Will describing the Mind Flayer's possession as a feeling, to me, here, feels like a metaphor for depression or anxiety. Hmm. Yeah, I've always kind of gotten that vibe where he's like, he can't really describe it. It doesn't really make sense to him. It feels more like a feeling. Like when you ask somebody to describe depression, they don't always know how to describe it exactly or like anxiety. But I think this kind of continues to blur the lines between is this noah or not noah i'm sorry i have noah in my next uh (laughs) my next note is this will experiencing symptoms of ptsd or is this will experiencing mind flare problems yeah that's a great point i feel like there's a lot of blurring here of like the the ptsd and what is mind flare influence Mm -hmm. because he's obviously in a very unique situation where Mm -hmm. uh you know dr owens isn't necessarily wrong but he's not necessarily right either right so i think it's definitely a little of both i mean later it's um you know most mostly just one of the things mostly just mind flare yeah mostly just that but yeah very cool good point. and then last thing no weapons is playing off of the season one score during this scene and noah deserved an emmy for this season absolutely he is so good so good he yeah, and I mean, I extend the sentiment into our next scene, too. I agree. But like, yeah. Right? Oh, like, so what bad. are we doing here, Emmy people? I Hello. Know. I know. Yeah. It was so Noah good. in this scene, and then throughout the rest of the season, like, he is... How old? I, how old of a child is Noah? Yeah, I feel like in, in this season, he was maybe 13, 14. Like, he is outstanding. His yeah. little face, face mm-hmm. nuance, like, the emotions, his eyebrow, like, all I these know. tiny little emmy for noah i know like and he's holding his own with winona Ryder, like mm-hmm. very well winona Ryder. Yeah. like i mean that's just amazing it, it was like you know looking back i didn't really appreciate it as i should have mm-hmm. but like getting to see him really shine in this season was such a blessing yeah yes for sure yeah oh boy okay here we go everybody <clears throat> <laughs> Ah, well, Elle returns to the cabin after her little adventure to find a very angry Hopper standing on the porch. Once inside, Hopper scolds Elle for compromising their safety, and he uses her own words against her, stating that friends don't lie. She insists that nobody saw me, but Hop grounds her. Oh, now you've really done it, Hop. Mm. Bans egos, oh, and attempts to take away the TV. This fails because the teenager in question has telekinesis. Mm. that's a problem uh Mm -hmm. she angrily tells him that he is like papa (laughs) (laughs) you you are like papa (laughs) oh yeah i'm like that crazy son of a bitch (laughs) (laughs) hop calls her a brat Elle throws a book at him locks herself in her room and then tears the cabin apart with her mind (laughs) what what a fight what a scene another one where are the emmys for millie and david incredible and Joyce and Noah, they need Emmys. Somebody do something. It, right? Like, the way that Millie just captures the untethered rage that you feel as a teenager. Yeah. Right? Like, and then when, she's, when she screams, <laughs> yes. 
Yes, it's so And she's slamming her fist on the floor? Yes, like, it is, I mean, you know, to be fair, she was a teenager filming this scene, so I'm sure she knows what that feels like, but I... I, I found this so relatable, like just all the emotions that you feel when you're that age that you really can't regulate and you can't figure out how to express well. Right. And yeah. And she's like, she's like, nothing ever happens. Like, yeah. Like, just <laughs> she's so good. Yeah. Like somebody, somebody. Yeah. Retroactive. Please. Right. Yeah. This, this deserved much more recognition, I feel like, but amazing. I just like. I just said I wish, again, that Hopper would just be more transparent and, like, explain why it's so dangerous. Like, what exactly are the repercussions of this? Like, I feel like she doesn't really get it. Sure. I could see that. Like, they will find you. They will take you again. Yeah. They will lock you up. But at the same time, wouldn't she just be like, but I'm already locked up, Papa? Like, like, would she just go all, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Right, like, you know, in a sense, she's not in a much better situation right now. She's kind of trapped. Yeah, I I agree, though. I wish that he would. I mean, we see it in the scene in in a couple scenes, like, coming up when he goes to apologize and be soft with her. And you watch him fight himself on that. And then he ultimately decides to still continue to be harsh. Yeah. He really seems to to struggle with that gentleness. Yeah, someone teach this man about gentle parenting. Yeah, and I think... This scene immediately following Will and Joyce's scene. Yes. Right? Like, you see two parents, Joyce and Hopper, struggling, I think, to protect their kids from forces that are completely beyond their control. Mm -hmm. But I also think it's sort of like the perfect commentary on the futility of Joyce's and Hopper's attempts to keep their kids safe. Because Will is afforded freedom and is certainly not safe Mm -hmm. and L is not afforded freedom and is falling apart in other ways. Right. So it's like you you damned if you do, damned yes. if you don't. Yeah. Joyce and Hopper here. That's such a great point. Like it it is a really cool parallel to see the different ways that they parent, but it ultimately leads to pretty much the same results anyway. Um, exactly. Which is like both disheartening, but also I'm guessing if you're a parent, maybe makes you feel a little bit like Okay, well, <laughs> I just have to try my best. In all of your attempts to do yes. the right thing. Yes. Yeah. You could do everything by the book, you know, quote unquote, perfectly. And, you know, something bad could still happen or your kid could still not, you know, be okay or turn out okay. Like, yeah, scary. Maybe maybe the the difference between Joyce's approach and Hopper's approach, though, is the fact that we I think we really start to see Elle's trust for Hopper fracture because she's like you are keeping me in here i'm like a prisoner i'm caged Mm -hmm. whereas will's never really losing trust for joyce yeah so i guess maybe that could be the different result even if you're not keeping your child safe at least you're maintaining their trust yeah and it's and it's tricky because like you know children are people like not it's not one size fits all it just isn't Mm -hmm. yeah very true because I think we talked about it a couple episodes ago, how, like, Elle has kind of always been a little bit spicy. Like, she's always, <laughs> like, had a little bit of an attitude, like, mm-hmm. even when she was trapped in the lab. Like, she, she's kind of always been true to that. And, and Will is just different. Like, he's just a different child. Yeah. No, totally. They're completely different. Yeah. So back at the buyers, Jonathan returns home to find Joyce and Will asleep in Will's bed. As he leaves them be, Will's eyelids flutter in his sleep and ominous music plays. 
The eye movement just really reminds me of when Elle is, like, looking for someone. Yes, it is very, like, REM. Yes. Isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm I'm curious to find out more about the parallels between Elle's powers and, like, the rest of the Upside Down creatures and, mm-hmm. you know, what's that connection about? What are we to assume is happening, though? Are we to assume... Because, like, you know how Will does that later when the Mind Flare is, like, searching? Mm-hmm. Is that what's happening here? Yeah, like, is he trying to find him and the connection's not strong enough yet? Or, like, I don't know. Yeah, because at one point, I forget in which scene later, Will does this. It's And then, remember, they, they stick him because they're, like, oh yeah, they shoot him up with the yeah. trank. Not trank. I guess the anesthetic or the tranquil, whatever it yes. is, to knock him out again. Because they see him close his eyes and start to, like, do that motion. Yeah. And it's kind of when the Mind Flayer is snaking his way yeah. through the tunnels. So is this scene of Will asleep with Joyce... And we get his eyelids moving. Is he is he dreaming or is this like the mind flayer doing his like seeking? I think th- what we're looking at is like because Will describes it as now memories. So I think mm. I think he is seeing what the demodogs are seeing due to, the, you know, the hive mind. Like, I think that they are making their way through these tunnels or the mind. Okay. The mind flayer is making his way to, through the tunnels. You know, regardless, it's it's all hive mind. So I think that's right. I think he's just seeing the upside down creatures creating the tunnels and then okay i think later is when we realize the the whole spy thing but i don't think the mind flayer is doing the spy thing yet because he doesn't really have any reason to okay that's my guess i don't know yeah this this just gets weird yeah. from like a very technical standpoint but <laughs> we, we can get into that when it gets that way i mean obviously it's weird like it's all weird <laughs> but like it gets weirder than it is already weird okay. you know like What's that stupid meme that's like Stranger Things season five, Steve and Robin are standing in a field and it's like Steve is like, things are strange. And Robin's like, they will get stranger or some bullshit like that. (laughs) Stranger Things five, strangest, strangest things. The strangest things. (laughs) Anyway. So over at the Wheelers, Nancy, this is a quote. Nancy makes yes. up a bogus excuse to be unsupervised for the day and meets up with Jonathan. That was a quote directly <laughs> from the Stranger Things wiki. It just it just was funny. He picks her up outside of her house, feeling guilty for dragging him into this scheme of hers. Nancy tells Jonathan he doesn't have to do this. He tells her to stop saying that, and they drive off into the sunset. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm. The Clash is playing. Oh, nice. I didn't notice that. Yes, it's called This is Radio Clash by The Clash. Okay, cool. I like the consistency that Jonathan is still listening to them. I also like it when the song is playing out of a speaker in the show, but then they make it like it's just playing in the show. Yeah. But then when like Nancy gets in the car, then you hear the song shift. Yeah. And it sounds like it's coming out of Jonathan's car speakers. Yeah, I feel like they do that a lot. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I, I feel like Karen Wheeler is like super observant. But th- <laughs> but then sometimes I'm like, girl, how? how did you-? <clears throat> Nancy was like you know, we're just going to, like, sleep over, gossip, paint our nails. Like, she starts describing all the things you do at a sleepover. Like, girl, you're protesting too much. You're, make- yeah, you're making it weird. say less. Yeah. Actually say less. Right? <laughs> we're going to shave our legs, and I'm going to shave her legs, and she's going to shave my mm-hmm. legs, and then we're going to watch a rom-com and keep shaving our legs. Yes. The whole night. Shaving our legs. So nice. Sweet. <laughs> we have so much legs so to much, share. I mean, to shave. So much legs. <laughs> <laughs> to share. To share. That's what we do at sleepovers, you know. We just share each other's legs. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I appreciate Jonathan supporting Nancy. Yeah. Nancy is on a, she's on a quest 
for justice. And I don't think Steve would have been agreeable with this plan whatsoever, which I don't think he would have been wrong for not being agreeable. But as far as the relationship is concerned, Nancy needed action and Jonathan is willing to let her act. Whereas Steve would have not been supportive of her actions. Yeah. And I'm excited to get to our Jancy episode because I feel like that's such a good way of putting it. Like, Mm -hmm. I feel like... Jonathan is, like, more willing to kind of, like, let her do her thing because Mm -hmm. he is a little more passive where, like, Steve is more of an active participant and, like, he's trying to, I don't know, make their relationship into something. I don't know what he's doing exactly, but he he supports Nancy in just a very different way than than Jonathan does. And context matters because Steve doesn't have really any skin in the game, right? Like, Steve didn't suffer a loss at the hands of these people in the same way that Will, or I'm sorry, that Jonathan and Nancy suffered a loss. So Steve is just like, uh, excuse me, that's dangerous. Don't do that. And Jonathan is like, fuck these people. Yeah, right. Like Just like in the way that Jonathan would say that. Yes. Like he, he has a lot more motivation to take the risks because he has, you know, a personal vendetta as well. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So Joyce calls the Hawkins police, but cannot seem to get in touch with Hopper because he is, quick, uh, you know, very busy parenting a superhero. Mm-hmm. She takes Will's temperature to find out that he is a crisp 95 degrees Fahrenheit. So hypothermic. Not, yep. not good. He tells her he doesn't actually feel cold, just kind of out of it. So she decides to run him a warm bath. I salute Joyce for using a phone after season one. Okay, right. I would, I would never touch a phone again. Yeah, that's fair. I would be afraid of phones. Nope, no phones for me. Just take them all out of the house. Yeah, I don't want to get zapped. Or like, nope. hear an upside down creature on the other end. I'm good. Or my son breathing. Yeah. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so, in this scene, Joyce is taking Will's temperature with a mercury thermometer. Just like one of the, mm-hmm. the old school glass ones with mercury inside. And so, I decided to look up when mercury thermometers were banned. And Smart. Yeah, because uh, in case you didn't know, mercury is highly poisonous, really bad. Uh, You can die of mercury poisoning. Just ask the Mad Hatter. He knows. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he knows. So I looked up when mercury thermometers were banned. So mercury thermometers for use as quote unquote fever thermometers. So like, I guess for at home use Mm -hmm. have been banned in 20 states since 2001. Only 20 states in the United States. Um, But Indiana is, in fact, one of those states. Okay, so not in 1984, though. Nope, they were still alive and kicking. In use. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. This is when Will, again, just back to the who, who, who's Will right now? Is he trustworthy? Is he not? When Will says, you promise no doctor, is that Will not wanting the doctor? Or is that the mind flayer not wanting Will to be taken to a doctor? Right, because we don't actually have the context for when Joyce said that to him right like no when when he said that to joyce or or yeah like when when he you know asked to not go to the yes, like when was to not yeah when was the first time he asked for this was it after his possession or before we don't know mm-hmm. so good point yeah so it could be you know something that will asked and it you know is he's remembering but could also be straight from the mind flare yep don't take this boy to the doctor he's fine wink wink <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the last thing i said about the scene was that they just look so legitimately related here i cannot i cannot i cannot like their their side profiles are so similar 
They are, they are, they may as well just be daughter. I mean, sorry, <laughs> son and mom, mom and son. Yes. Yes. Very, very so related. Very impressive casting with those two. So over at the Hendersons, Dustin continues to shelter and feed a growing dart. He goes to school and finds Lucas, Mike, and Max still looking for dart in the dumpster. Dustin just letting his friends climb around in the dumpster. I know. Poking at trash so to protect this secret, another secret mm-hmm. that he is keeping. And Dustin. And Dustin's secret is probably the worst secret that is being kept in this episode at least because he is knowingly keeping a dangerous secret like he is he doesn't think he's protecting anybody except himself and dark right like that is such a good point right like he knowingly is keeping this thing knowing that it is an upside down creature knowing that it, yes. it may be dangerous and he just he wants his uh five minutes of fame he does and yes exactly everybody else's secrets are kind of being kept with the intentions of protecting somebody yeah. or preserving somebody from something. Right. Not Dustin. No, just himself. Dustin just, yep, he just wants this little critter. Yeah. And yeah, Dustin again. Sorry, Dustin. You're you're not on my good side nope. this chapter. Yeah. He's just overall acting super out of character. It's, mm-hmm. it's just very weird. Yeah. I needed to point out that they are officially in their rest of the season outfits. Max is wearing. No. Yep. Max is wearing the red jacket. Mike is in his little striped polo that he wears for pretty much the rest of the season. Yeah. So then this is the day that Steve goes to Nancy's house to give her flowers and runs into Dustin instead. And then they take the meat to the tracks yep. and then they lure the. Du- yeah. Okay. So this is chapter four, William the Wise. And then, yes, you're right, because Elle leaves. This is the chapter. Ne- yep. Ch- Elle leaves yep. after finding. Yep, they're all officially... This is worse than season one. Yeah, they're all officially in their end-of-the-season outfits right now. Um, Wow. Yeah, yeah, because, right, the... I mean, obviously not, like, the end-end, like, because there's kind of, like, an epilogue, you know, the the snowball and everything, but um, other than that, yeah, they continue wearing these outfits. Wow. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah, the only reason I noticed is because of Max's red jacket, Mm -hmm. because, yeah. This random girl? Yeah, Yeah, random girl. Yep. So... This scene, too, is the one where Max is like, oh, you stink, because they all get out of the dumpster. Yeah. One of the other things on the IMDb pointed out that Max actually moves downwind from Lucas <laughs> when she says that he stinks Wow! <laughs> based on the way that her hair is blowing. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. Yeah, I thought that was funny and worth mentioning. What a, what a catch. What a detailed catch. Right. All right, so in class, Mr. Clark teaches a lesson all about fear and the body's psychological, I'm sorry, and the body's physiological and emotional responses to it as Mike notices Will's absence from class. At the buyers, Will is afraid of the bath that Joyce drew for him. I don't know why that sentence is so funny. Ah, ah, Not a a bath. (laughs) So scary. He is momentarily tormented by disturbing visuals of the upside down before declaring to Joyce that the bath is too hot. Joyce insists that they must raise his body temperature, but Will, well, he doesn't just state. He says, no. And then he says, he likes it cold. And then he just walks away. (laughs) But he also just like blinks a second and is like, what the fuck just happened? Like, did you like, he just like, after he's like, he likes it cold. And then Will like comes back to his consciousness and blinks and walks away. Yeah. Like it it does seem like he comes back too and is like, what the hell was that? (laughs) Yes. Like he was acting out of control of himself saying that. Yeah. No. And uh, in this in this scene, we get the 
beautiful and notorious little screenshot of Will standing in the bathroom doorway with his in, in his boxers, and it just looks like he's here to say, "Mom, I threw up." <laughs> <laughs> the McRib is here. The McRib has and arrived, he, and he threw up. And he threw up. <laughs> Um, did anyone else go into Lose Yourself by Eminem when Mr. Clark says your palms start to sweat? Oh, no, I didn't think about that. <laughs> yeah. Like, are your knees also weak? Mom's spaghetti. Like, your arms are heavy and yours vomit on your sweater already. <laughs> Mom's spaghetti. Mom, I threw up. Mom, I threw up. <laughs> your spaghetti. <laughs> Um, yeah, so. Uh, I just need to point out that on the windowsill behind Joyce, while she's sitting on the bathtub, there is a container of Pond's cold cream. Yep. Okay. You noticed it too? She needs it. Yeah. 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 It's cold cream. Um, and I just gotta say that makeup remover still slaps. I still use it Mm -hmm. occasionally. Wow. If I'm wearing, like, really heavy makeup or, like, something super waterproof, gets it right Mm -hmm. off. Wow. Yeah. This has been a plug. We are sponsored by Pond's, I wish. Pond's Cold Cream. <laughs> if we were sponsored by Pond's, we could quit our jobs right now. <laughs> oh, man. I think we need to just point out how much of a double meaning all of Mr. Clark's yes. lessons are this season so far between Phineas Gage mm-hmm. And fear and the physiological responses to it as Will is staring at this bathtub like it is the scariest thing he's ever seen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I love the way that they use Mr. Clark this season, um, mm-hmm. especially this scene. Like, I'm a sucker for a good, like, uh, what would you call that? Like, overlaid vocals. I get, Like, overlaid audio. Sure. Um, yes. You know, it's just like <clears throat> the, the audio from Mr. Clark's class playing over what's happening to Will and it's like a parallel. And I just love stuff like that. Yeah, it's pretty it's good. It's like the one in the polywog mm-hmm. when you get you get Hopper's voice of articulating the rules and L breaking the rules Love. at the same time. Yeah, I'm definitely a sucker for that. Love it. As Hop attempts to repair his teenage daughter's destruction, he considers apologizing to her, but instead orders her to clean up the cabin and leaves. Flo is frantically radioing Hop before he makes it to his car, and she's here to tell him that Joyce has called eight times because she's a persistent queen, and we love that for her. She, she is. She is. She is. Yeah. Love that for her. So I really liked in this scene when Hop is kind of like contemplating apologizing. Mm-hmm. The the light through the slat, like the gaps in the um, the boards on the windows – it just mm-hmm. looks so beautiful and it lights up the, the, I don't know, it just makes it very like golden hour-y, like it's so pretty. Mm-hmm. And we get the same kind of lighting when Hop is, you know, in, I forget what episode it is, but in later in the season when he's apologizing to her over the radio, mm-hmm. like we get a shot of the light coming into the cabin like that. And Ooh. yeah, and I felt like that was maybe an intentional parallel where like he's kind of debating if he's going to apologize and then later he does and we kind of get the same shot. Yeah. No, I like that a lot. I don't think there's anything by accident. Yeah, I agree, right? I think that this scene... Because, okay, so everybody was very, like, Hopper is acting very out of character in season three. Why is he acting like that? He seems like he's being a buffoon. Like, what happened to Hopper? But I don't 
I feel differently about that now rewatching this yeah. because you can literally watch Hop struggle to parent and struggle to have what would have needed to be a heart to heart. Remember, he's like, what's that? What is that? <laughs> right? So, like, I don't really think Hopper was acting that out of character. Yeah, that's fair. He's, in season three. He has always been kind of stubborn. Very stubborn. And I also think that this is the start of him parenting a teenager. Mm-hmm. And in season three, you get him in the middle of parenting a teenager. So I just, I can see how he would have almost... He had a choice, right? Yeah. Like, he had two paths. Like, the ones, you know, from that poem. Yes. And, like, you can choose one path or the other path. And he went down the, I'm going to be an inefficient parenting, a parent, parent teenager path. (laughs) And he could have chose to be an efficient parent of a teenager path, but he chose the other one. Yeah. And you watch him, like, make this choice here with her. Yeah. And I think, like, you know, we find out later that I think this kind of is the source of it, but he's really struggling with letting go because mm-hmm. he finally has this daughter that he has, you know, thought about for so long. And now he's terrified of something happening to her again. Yeah, I saw a, lo- I saw a couple people comment on the wiki and various other websites as I was going through this chapter. And a lot of them were like, I think Hop has anger issues. And I'm like, I think that's an oversimplification. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. There's too much context behind his actions to just say, oh, he has anger issues. No, I don't. I, I mean, you know, if he has issues with anything, <clears throat> I think it's overall emotional expression issues. Sure. Like, not just anger. Like, he just doesn't really know how to express himself well. But I don't think that's all it boils down to either. There's a lot of context. No. Exactly. So. Yeah. So back at the high school, Billy is taunting Steve yet again while they square off in basketball. Billy tells Steve that he needs to plant his feet as if he's doing him a favor. So bad. The boys then retreat to the showers where Tommy, who still goes to the school, (laughs) apparently, (laughs) taunts Steve some more about Nancy being with Jonathan. Billy kindly tells Steve that there are plenty of bitches in the sea, truly poetic, and Mm. then turns off the water while Steve has soap in his eyes and hair. (laughs) I have a lot of questions. Me too. It seems like Billy and Steve do too. (laughs) 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 why does tommy have so many freckles i I don't know there's nothing wrong with it i actually think it's quite cute but there are so many freckles and i also didn't notice them in season one really did he like spend time in the sun and grow grow more freckles i don't know i mean you know we're seeing him with his shirt off so i guess we're seeing more of him than we it's not his body it's his face i didn't look at his body But, like, yeah, no, he definitely had a lot of freckles in season one. But, yeah, the the actor Chester Rushing is just a a freckly guy. I felt really aware of his freckles. Yeah. Yeah. Good for him. They're cute. They are really cute. There's a lot of them. Yeah, I know. I feel like I've I've really not seen somebody with that many freckles before. And I think they're so cute. I love them. They are. I just wrote, ah, yes, my favorite scene, homoerotic gym class. I just (laughs) need to understand what is truly happening here with Billy? Don't know. Be- I need to. Okay. Is is Billy actually thinking that he's doing Steve a solid? Like when he, because he says it like, God, pl- I told you, you have to plant your feet. Yeah. Like it's almost like a, like a trying to make nice. Am I, am I picking up on things that aren't there? Like, oh no, he's flirting. Okay. All right. I'm like trying to figure this out, but I feel bad because, but we, I think we can appreciate that this is, Billy is being 
sexually ambiguous yeah, here. Yeah, super. Like, and I, I actually remember, like, after the season came out, I feel like there was a little bit of backlash about this. Like, people felt like they were kind of, like, queer baiting a little bit. Queer baiting, which is why I was hesitant to even have this feeling. But yeah. you can see in the later scene when Billy's father calls him a queer, mm-hmm. right? Which is a very interesting parallel between Billy and Will. Yeah. Like, why would Billy feel comfortable in his sexuality? True. How could this, like, could this, maybe I'm wrong, but this just doesn't come across as queer baiting if Billy would never feel comfortable expressing himself that way. Right. And the Duffer brothers were trying to get across that this person is not in a safe space to be openly right like yeah. is that me i don't know right like i i feel the same way like i think it's very possible that uh you know if, if billy's character had lived past season three that maybe sure. we would have learned more about that but i think it's very possible and you know i think it also has a lot to do with his anger like i think it could make sense that he is really mm-hmm. suppressing a, a big part of himself and then i also think like the hypersexuality of like just girl after girl after girl is right is very indicative of someone who is overcompensating maybe sure yeah and it's also interesting when you think about it and his his racism right like you know him feeling very uncomfortable with that particular minority group potentially being himself in his own minority group Mm, yeah like drawing attention to to a different group of people you know like there is a this is why when people just hate on Billy, which I do fully understand, but I do think he is a very nuanced character. Yeah, he definitely is. Like, you know, you can't you can't just outright say that he's a bad person because there's a lot of layers to it. Yeah, and I think you can be a piece of shit with a lot of layers. Yeah. Like I think that's just they're not mutually exclusive. Very true. Like you can be an absolute hot piece of garbage, but also be very complex and nuanced. Yeah. One other thing, aside from the homoeroticism in this scene, that I thought was kind of weird, mm. is Tommy referring to Jonathan as the freak's brother. Why is Will the first point of reference in that? Like, he's at the middle school. Why wouldn't they just... <laughs> why wouldn't? They, why can't Jonathan just be his own freak? Tommy gets off on making fun of children. Clearly, right? Like, <laughs> like who cares? That's a. I didn't even pick up on that. Right? That's just, a great. That's like a great question. I thought that was just such weird. Fra- the freak's brother. Oh, do you know Will personally? Like I, a lot. The princess. The freak's brother. Yeah. These people have names: Jonathan, Nancy, Will. They're so weird. Like, why do they think they're they're the cool ones when they're just like so not cool? <laughs> It's also funny watching Billy watch this interaction unfold between Steve and Tommy. Because, like, Billy doesn't... Are you imitating Billy right now? He's gazing. Why are you doing that so well? He's gazing lovingly. Okay. <laughs> All right. This this can be said on the record. And Marina and I are currently uh, pretending to be Max looking through the binoculars in season four. Steve is not yet hairy. You're right. He hasn't grown into himself. He hasn't hit puberty. But he will. <laughs> no that's a really good observation because i feel like there's a point made to to address steve's chest hair in season four so i think we have the right to address his lack of it in season two yes and we can just look from afar with our binoculars hello (laughs) all right anyways Anyways, um so we can move on stranger things uh 
Anyway, while waiting for Mrs. Holland at the park, Nancy and Jonathan notice several very sus individuals and begin to feel as if they are being followed. They attempt to leave, but are intercepted at their car by one of the aforementioned sus individuals. I have a lot of questions about this scene. Okay, go ahead. All right. It's a weird scene. There's a duck. There's so much duck imagery in this scene, okay? (laughs) And I could not get past it. Okay, so the kid... Which, first of all, this child is Danny Torrance. Is he, like, the actual actor? Like, not, like, the actual actor, but... But he looks just like him. Like, he's... I couldn't find a a screen grab of it online, but that's Danny, the kid on the duck. Aw, so cute. I know. The kid on the duck was also wearing, like, a red jacket. He had, like, a little brown bowl cut. It just reminded me of Danny a lot. He's riding this little, like, bouncy duck back and forth. Very creepy. And then... Right. there's, There's a guy who is feeding ducks... And then you are so right. And then, what is this? And then there's a group of children playing duck, duck, goose. What is going They're on? They're being silly gooses. Silly geese. <laughs> silly geese everywhere. No, but that is such a great point. Why are there so many ducks? I don't know. And I, the only thing I could come up with, <laughs> is that a mallard? I Googled duck symbolism. I did too. And the only thing I could come up with was that they're like sitting ducks because some oh. like, yeah, like all the other duck symbolism was like good fortune. And I was like, that doesn't make sense. So yeah, sitting ducks is the only explanation for that I could come up with. It just seems too much to be a coincidence. There's too many ducks. No, I agree. No. This says, um, I do see what you mean by laughter and happiness. Yeah. No, good luck. Not really. Nurturing and bonding. No, it doesn't make any uh, sense. No, emotional stability. No. Not exactly. No. Unlikely pairs. Ooh, okay. Maybe. Okay. We have we have Nancy and Jonathan. Romantic love. Hmm. Intuition. Oh. Okay. Ducks. Yeah, sure. Ducks have intuition. <laughs> Very smart. <laughs> they do know to fly south. They do. Yeah, that's true. No, but you're 100% right. There are far too many ducks yeah. in the scene, and I didn't pick up on the fact that... Like, I was very conscious of the duck, because there's the kid, yeah. like, rocking back and... But then I didn't piece together the duck-duck-goose and the man feeding ducks. Yes, and you don't see the ducks. You just hear them. You hear quacking, so you know it's ducks. I like sitting ducks. Right. I think that's it. I think that's got to be it, right? They're literally just sitting there waiting to, like, essentially be abducted, so... Abducted. Ah! we are being some silly geese today such silly geese (laughs) wow ducks bring it all back home that was fantastic (laughs) i couldn't get over the ducks i tried to show it to eli and he was like maybe it's just a coincidence i was like nothing is it is not a coincidence nothing is a coincidence here okay the existence of three different duck references in one tiny scene absolutely not no too many ducks to be a coincidence all right So, Hopper arrives at the buyer's house, finally, only to find it completely freezing, and the front door is just ajar, also. He just walks... (laughs) Gotta keep it cold. Walks right in. (laughs) Meanwhile, Will is only in his boxers, in the cold. Will explains... The McRib. Yes, Mr. McRib himself. Will explains the visions he is having as distant memories that aren't his, dubbing them now memories. He describes something in his now memories as growing and spreading and killing. In a stroke Mm. of pure genius, Joyce asks Will to draw what he means, and he begins to intensely scribble. It's stroke? Hmm? Is it stroke of genius or strike? Oh, I thought it was stroke. 
You're probably right. I, I changed it on my end because I assumed it was a typo that you put straight. You tend to be right about these things. You're definitely right. I don't know, man. We'll just, we'll go with that. I don't know. I, number one, when I said the front door is ajar, it just reminded me of your dad. Ah, uh, yes. It's not a jar. The door. It's a door. It's not a jar. It's a door. <laughs> Come on, dad. Silly dad jokes. Silly goose. He is a silly goose. <laughs> <laughs> so, also, this seems like kind of sad to me because hopper is clearly <clears throat> capable of being gentle with a child sure you know yes like he he's just so a, kind. a great point so kind to will he just sits down with him and he asks wonderful yeah. questions yeah right man the men in this chapter well really just dustin and hopper are just like yeah is is it joyce like is he being nice to challenge right, really i know like is it like is he being nice to will because like he's in love with joyce like because that gives me a parallel to dustin because dustin is like being silly because he likes max is this like when you will let the hairdresser brush your hair but you won't let your mom brush your (laughs) hair like like is is he being kind to will because it's not somebody he's trying to parent Mm. and he doesn't have the conflict of parenting this child so with l he's trying to like know how to parent her and scold and yeah i guess it's make rules and possibly yeah i guess that is true it's kind of like when i babysit my nephews and it's just like a free-for-all yeah you want to watch tv go ahead kid exactly (laughs) yeah so what will is describing as now memories that's really just him experiencing the mind flayers like activities in real time i think so right like he's glimpsing into the mind flayers goings on goings on yes going on goings on i never understood that phrase i i always get confused too goings (laughs) on i tried to type it and it wouldn't be correct final answer goings (laughs) on both plural (laughs) that sounds right (laughs) i just this is so like harry voldemort yeah again again, right like they can peer into each other's minds yes and harry has to learn occlumency to keep voldemort out what is that word i actually think it's mispronounced i think it's occlumency i think i enunciated it wrong it's not occlumency i think it's occlumency but it's when snape teaches him to to keep to close his mind down. Oh, I didn't know it had a name. So that Voldemort, yeah, so that the Dark Lord cannot peer in. Cool. But then they are. He's a spy. Because at one point, Harry can also see what Voldy, Voldy's yeah. up to. Right. They spy back on each other. Mm-hmm. Pretty cool. Yep. Very, very Will Mind Flare. Yes. And and then the tunnels, yes. also very Harry Potter. How, how so? The Basilisk oh. in Chamber of Secrets. Right, right, right. right. Yeah, that's, like, I honestly kind of picture the Mind Flayer moving through the tunnels sort of like that. Like, his his smoky mm-hmm. self sort of just, like, snaking. He's also blind. Oh, I yeah. mean, the Mind Flayer doesn't have eyes, right? right? Or, like, really any sensory organs, except for Not touch, that we know maybe. of. I don't know. But he is made of smoke. Physical touch is his love language. <laughs> but he's, he's made of smoke, so I'm not sure how well that works. <laughs> right. Um, and I just need to say classic move will with the wrapper off the crayon and coloring with the side of the crayon. Sure. Yes. That's great. That really brought me back to like being a kid. I love Joyce knowing to say to will let's draw yeah, this. Right. What a great. That's how you can express yourself. Let's do great it. Great parenting move Joyce. That was awesome. So back at the middle school, Mike calls the buyer's house to no avail. He then calls an emergency party meeting in the AV room, omitting Max once again. They speculate about what could be going on with Will and decide to split up, Mike going to Will's house to check on him and Lucas and Dustin continuing to look for Dart. When they're talking in the AV room, 
Mike defers to Dustin when Lucas asks if the shadow can hurt Will. Mm. Right? And Dustin says no. Yeah. So he's wrong. He is wrong. We we were wrong because Dustin has been wrong. We were wrong. Yeah. You're right. Because, yeah. Because Dustin says no, technically things on the ethereal plane cannot hurt things on the material plane. Mm. Yeah. Dustin, you're out of touch here, fam. You're too busy. You're distracted. Mm -hmm. You're not your best self. Nope. No. You got to eat. You got to eat a Snickers because you're not you when you're hungry. (laughs) (laughs) Or three Musketeers. Yep. Or that. Yeah. (sighs) Poor Max, though. Just like continuing to be left out. That really sucks. I know. I know. And it's like everybody's keeping all these secrets and I honestly think, oh, okay, never mind. I'm about to take back what I'm going to say before I even say it. I was going to say, I think cue- cluing in Max is the least harmful thing that they could be doing, but that's fake news because she accepted the risk yeah. and now she is basically not here. Yeah. So never mind. Yeah. Don't like that. <laughs> yeah. As Elle is sweeping up the broken glass at the cabin, she finds a super secret compartment in the floor containing several boxes. She pulls out one labeled Hawkins Lab and begins to read through the contents. Just one of those songs that doesn't exist. It is called Under the Floorboards, and it is on the YouTube channel. They're here! (laughs) Under the Floorboards! (laughs) For those of you out there who are uh, not old people, we are referencing an old episode of Spongebob, Squeaky Boots. Please watch it. It is it is a parody of uh, I believe a Telltale Heart by Edgar Allan Poe. Yes, and it is amazing. Please, please, under the floorboard. <laughs> anyway, wow, amazing. SpongeBob is in everything, as is Stranger Things. Yes, one hundred percent. We should do our next podcast. Should be a SpongeBob rewatch. Podcast. Wow, I would love that actually, because there's so many of like the new episodes that I've just never seen. Let's do it. Anyway, this three-shirt combo that she is wearing is 100% the same three-shirt combo from season four. And I know this for a fact because I was season four L for Halloween and I wore the exact same three-shirt combo. And there's too many shirts. I don't know how she's not sweating to death, but the three shirts are a flannel and then there's like a long sleeve V-neck blue and white shirt underneath that. And then underneath that, there is a floral like white and pink shirt. Too many shirts. And the, the floral white and pink shirt is like a thermal. Okay. Like, how is she not sweating to death? I don't know. Can we appreciate, though, that it appears as if the children in the lab were taught to read? I asked the same question. When did she learn to read? I cannot see Brenner depriving them of knowing how to right? read. He has he has a dozen little geniuses in his house, and he's going to teach them to read. Yeah, like, above all else, this man is an academic, and he... he uh, you know, really holds dear the pursuit of knowledge. Right. These little ones know how to read. So good on you, Papa. At least you were running like a a kindergarten or something. So that's cool. (laughs) Hooked on phonics. Could you imagine Brenner teaching actual kindergartners? Yeah. You know what? Honestly, I I would probably like him as a kindergarten teacher. He seems fine to be doing that. But then you find out that he has like a secret double life. Oh, no. (laughs) It's never good. All right, so we're over at Hawkins' lab. We made it. At the lab, Nancy calls the men behind the security camera assholes, and, <laughs> which I love. Hey, yeah, assholes. I love that so much. <laughs> she just looks directly into the camera. Love it. <laughs> Owens gives Nancy and Jonathan the grand tour. 
Owens takes them to the basement and shows them the gate being burned, but explains that they're not having any luck destroying it. He swears them to secrecy, claiming that the gate could easily be used by enemies of the United States as a weapon. So this is the room where Jonathan, where Joyce and Hopper were at the end of season one. Mm-hmm. And to see Nancy and Jonathan now in that room is kind of, is kind of mm-hmm. fun. Yeah. Because Jonathan is sitting where Joyce was. Oh, cool parallel. And then Owens comes in rather than Brenner coming in. Yes. Oh, yeah, I know what you mean. Like in the interrogation room. Yes, yes, yes. I love a good foreshadowing moment. We get we get uh, Owens telling us, you know, this could be really dangerous if the Soviets get get wind mm-hmm. of it. And lo and behold, they do. Yep. They sure do. He gets it. He does understand. Yeah, he does understand the risk. There's a song here that to me sounds very season four like you know how the creel house and like henry any song associated with it had almost like a music box quality like you know what i'm talking Ooh, about yeah like very like grainy almost like i don't know i know but like mean, also though. like the 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 twinkliness of a music box yeah okay there's a song playing here it's on the youtube it doesn't exist it's called one hell of a mistake and it sounds very season four cool I don't understand One hell this. of a mistake. Like, why? I don't either. Why? I, I don't just... e- but that's But that's what the YouTuber is naming these songs. This isn't like what the Duffer Brothers is naming, that, that, or Michael and Kyle are naming yeah. them. This is, the, the YouTuber has literally ripped the music right from the audio of the show and just named them according to what is happening yeah. in that moment. No, I'm just saying I don't understand why <clears throat> there's so many I don't songs either. just not on a soundtrack. Or a score. I don't know, because this song is particularly good. I also feel kind of bad because Owens is not the mess maker. Mm-hmm. Owens is just here trying to clean it up, and he is not the mess maker. Mm-hmm. I know, he's taking all the rap for everything mm-hmm. bad that happened. It's not his fault. He's trying yep. to be a good person. And, like... Trying. Yeah, trying. And at this point, like, I don't know. Do you remember once you watched him give the tour to Nancy and Jonathan? Mm-hmm. Like, how did you feel about him? I mean, at the end of it all, it is still manipulative. Mm-hmm. It's like manipula- manipulation, but also truth, revealing the mm-hmm. truth. So here we have some of that truth being revealed type of thing. But also the the goal, it's about the goal of why is Owens revealing the truth to them. The goal is to keep them keeping the secret. Right. So it's almost like if I clue these two in, maybe they'll understand and they won't you know, blow this shit wide open. Unfortunately. <laughs> which obviously has the opposite the opposite effect. But I think I still don't totally trust Owens because as viewers, we want this shit blown wide right. open. Right? Like So I'm like Like as mm. viewers, we don't yet understand the implications of this. Like as far as like, you know, everyone keeps warning, oh the Soviets, the Soviets, but like we don't mm-hmm. we don't fully either understand the implications of how dangerous that could be. And then we see it yeah. in season three. And I do think the show, part of what was so loved about the first season was the smallness mm-hmm. of it. It was a small town. And I do think with the introduction of an, a foreign threat yeah. in season three really threw people off. I think so. So I don't think at this point in season two, the audience really gives much of a shit right. about a foreign international threat like another country like Mm -hmm. we're still like nope blow the shit wide open our world is as small as hawkins right so i don't think we really get the stakes yeah 
that's very true. Like we we also are kind of with everybody else in Hawkins. We're like, nope, mm-hmm. this is a Hawkins problem, and we're we're gonna yep. yeah. So exactly. <sighs> yeah, I was still sus of Owens. Just to answer your original question, I didn't I didn't really like this guy. Yeah, I definitely was too. Yet. I wanted to like him because it he felt very endearing, but I just really didn't mm-hmm. know if I could trust that facade. If it was a facade, yeah. you know. All right, so back at the buyers, Hopper and Joyce begin sifting through Will's scribbles, and Joyce soon realizes that they connect somehow. They <laughs> begin piecing the drawings together, taping them to the walls and floor, because fuck the integrity of this house, because it's it's got to be destroyed every season, right? This is what it yep. is. Hopper has an epiphany, realizing Will is drawing vines, and he leaves in a hurry. We have a song off of the actual wow. score. And it is called Looking for a Way Out, and it is playing right now. Right now. Right Amazing. now. In this moment. Okay, cool. And yeah, I just am still kind of floored by, like, okay, I know obviously this is like sort of a sci-fi series-ish, you know, a little bit of fantasy, whatever. You have to suspend your disbelief for a lot of things. I get that. You do. One of the things that I find it most difficult to suspend my disbelief about is the fact that they connected all of these drawings. It's rough. It, it really is. That that should really have taken days, yeah. if not weeks. Yeah. And yeah, no, I, I get it. And I, I do think this really was an attempt to recreate the string lights mm-hmm. of season one. Like this is like the that version, you know, kind of like Robin piecing together the code yeah. in season three. And Max drawing the Creel house and Nancy being like, that's the Creel house that I saw. And it's yes. piecing together a puzzle. Yeah. yeah. But no, I totally agree with you. I think that it is completely unreasonable for Hopper and Joyce to have made any sense of what Will is doing. Yeah. At all. I know. Like, it makes no sense to me. Like, it, it literally happens within, like, minutes. I just, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so we see. Right. That's true. Yeah. He's drawing vines. He's drawing vines. <laughs> even though he was like not exactly correct about that but no he he was the gist yes, he had the spirit so after school to lucas's dismay he and max have a heated conversation about the fact that they continue to fifth wheel her from afar billy watches max and lucas's confrontation when max gets to the car billy aggressively tells her that there are certain types of people that you stay away from and lucas is one of them but you know he's definitely not a racist no he's totally not <laughs> yeah right so it wasn't until this part that i kind of realized that hopper steve and lucas try to protect l nancy and max like you have these like three dudes trying to protect the three girls and it just it doesn't work no but it's all coming from the same place and that's the fear of retaliation from hawkins lab like hopper Worrying what they'll do to Elle. Steve being like, we could be killed. Lucas also being like, you could be killed. So it's just the three of them trying their very best to keep these three safe, but it failing. Yes. So uh, I just need to say, people need to stop being emotionally abusive to Sadie Sink in Cars. Cue all too well, Taylor's version, 10 minute version, the short film. Stop it. Amanda lost me because <laughs> because I I just don't participate I in this in the Swifty. But you I do have to watch the I short appreci- film though. Sadie is so good in it. I'll watch it for Sadie. Yeah, you can do that. Okay. Yeah. All right. But I yeah. will. People okay. need to stop being mean to Sadie Sink in cars. Okay. She's never going to get a car again. 
<laughs> that's not true. Joyce answers phones. <laughs> yes, that's true. Joyce does answer phones. And we do see yeah. that, uh, you know, later in the season, Max is perfectly okay to just drive. Yep. Very yep. true. Yeah. <laughs> this is our first glimpse of Billy being a racist piece of mm-hmm. shit. But I do think at this point we aren't totally sure if this is coming from that place or if this is coming from him being possessive. Right. 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 I don't think we have enough. Like, we are obviously like, is that because Lucas is black? Right. I think we have the question. The The seed is planted. But I don't think we have his confirmed racism until deeper into the season. Yeah, for sure. Do you for agree? Sure. I think so, too. I know that there was a lot of, like, speculation about, like, is it racism? Or, like, is it coming from a place of, like, Billy just doesn't want her his his you know, sister to be with any man because he's seen the way mm-hmm. that his stepfather treats Max's mom and treated his mom. But mm-hmm. honestly, I don't think Billy has done enough growing yet to have that thought. Pretty right. sure it's just racism. I think I think it is definitely from that place. Yeah. I do. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, one other thing. Uh, photos in the Woods. Yeah. Photos yes. in the Woods is playing. It is. We get a, re- re- what is that called? A, re- re- a reprise? reprise, yes reprise yeah. last time we heard photos in the woods was when jonathan and nancy were sitting in the funeral home in season one wow really that long ago pretty sure That's crazy so while hopper is strutting his stuff towards the pumpkin patch shovel in tow Elle is sifting through the hawkins lab box at the cabin she finds an article about terry ives as well as a photo of terry and marty b Yep, Marty B. She en- He's, He's back. back. She enters her mind void while holding the photo, seeing Terry in her rocking chair, still catatonic, but now murmuring about four to the left and rainbows and sunflowers. In this scene, <laughs> straight out of a horror movie, Terry s- abruptly stops rocking and identifies Elle as Jane, her daughter. Elle reaches out to touch Terry's hand, but Terry disappears in a wisp of smoke as Elle shouts mama and begins to sob. The growing by the Haxon cloak is playing as hopper is making his way downtown with the shovel (laughs) making his way downtown (laughs) yeah it's just like a really intense instrumental song that sounds like again it could be produced by michael and kyle but it's not is it like that really industrial sounding one yeah it's called the growing which is kind of weird that's uh, an accurate name yeah. Again, I just need to shout out Millie's acting here. She does a lot of solo acting in this season, which she does. I imagine yeah. is very hard. It's probably harder mm-hmm. than being with people. And she does it so well. I get chills every time seeing this scene. Just the, the pure devastation of her realizing that she's been lied to her whole life. She has a mother who's out there and who's been looking for her. I mean, yeah. I can't imagine the, the trauma and the devastation that that would... It would just, like, completely destroy your world and likely your trust for the people who have lied to you about this including hopper yeah and it's funny because we get this parallel of hopper literally digging for answers and then we get l also kind of figuratively digging for answers Mm -hmm. while simultaneously their relationship just kind of continues to get more and more unstable because now l is realizing that hopper has lied Mm -hmm. And is keeping secrets from her. Right. So it's like they're going through the same thing, but their relationship is also kind of fracturing at the same time. And I think that secret keeping and trust are like more major to Elle than the average person, I would say. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's, that's yeah. a big no-no for her to breach trust. Yeah, to defy that is like extra yeah, for her. I think so too. 
as Elle is tapping into her mind void to find her mom, She Wants Me to Find Her is playing. Mm. And this song also played when Hopper finds Elle in the forest in the polywog in that flashback, remember? And he takes his hat off for her. So I liked the double meaning of She Wants Me to Find Her, like Hopper saying She Wants Me to Find Her, but also almost Terry, like My Mom Wants Me to Mm -hmm. Find Her type of thing. Yeah. Cool double meaning with that song title, which is a real song, by the way. Thank goodness. All right. So Mike arrives at the buyer's house and he tells Joyce that he knows about the shadow monster. That's it. That's that's the scene. There's a a very, a very dead mum on the porch. (laughs) Interesting. I wonder if it is uh, maybe. No, it's definitely just Joyce not watering her plants. It's it's definitely just a dead mum. But I can also appreciate it as the dead mum, you know. And the not dead mom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that. Um, I love that the boys still call Joyce Mrs. Byers. <laughs> I know. After I everything, know. she's still Mrs. Not Bi- like I think you guys are on a yeah. first name basis at this I, point. Mike. I do feel like Mike earned the right to call her Joyce, but they keep calling her Mrs. Byers pretty much until season four. Seeing Mike right now is making me realize how little we've seen of I know. Mike. <laughs> He's been kind of MIA. Like, Mike, you there? Like, what are you doing? I know. He's so just wrapped up and distracted and L still. He is. He is. And I also think watching Mike go to Will makes their strained relationship in future seasons kind of even harder. Right? Like, this this season they bonded so much and Mike was really the only one there for him. Yep. Yeah. Of the boys. Mm -hmm. So back at Hawkins' lab, Nancy and Jonathan are finally allowed to leave. Once in the car, Nancy whips out a tape recorder, revealing that she caught Owen's confession about killing Barb on tape. Jonathan asks Nancy if she's sure she wants to do this, and she replies by saying they're going to burn that lab to the ground. Hell yeah, Nancy. I have a question. What is it? How how was she allowed in? Don't know. (laughs) Did nobody... Was there no security check? Did nobody search through her purse or apprehend it nothing not even in top secret government buildings in the 80s there's no bag checks we don't have those there's no bag check here not one bag check no i go to a concert and i have to i have to be subject to a to a bag check when i go see taylor swift in may i have to bring a clear bag or no bag that's it that's the stadium yeah they have to that's i mean i mean yeah and that's not a government building it's a stadium yeah (laughs) so no bag check. Nancy just got this tape recorder in. Yeah. When did she hit record? How long were they in there? How was there enough tape? I, there's a lot of questions. Also, how did it pick up the audio that well from inside her purse? So many questions. There's a lot of questions. Duffer Brothers, stop it. Making us suspend our disbelief yeah. too far. Yeah. Two different times this episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fresh blood. Oh, just fresh blood. Nice. just want to point that fresh out. Blood. Says season one. Season one. Yeah. Score. Dustin returns home to find Claudia looking for Muse. In his room, he finds the glass of Yertle's tank, now Dart's tank, shattered. It also appears that Dart has molted. Disgusting. He follows a trail of blood, only to find a bigger Dart feasting on Muse. Dart then screeches at Dustin, proudly showing off his fancy new Demogorgon flower face. They truly do grow up so fast. Doesn't this whole chapter feel a little bit like, oh, if it's not the consequences to my actions? <laughs> well, well, well. <laughs> well, well, well. Well, well. Someone's a sleepyhead this Uh-oh. morning. 
I just, yeah, it does though. It's very much like, oh, here's what happens when you, uh, you're, you're in the find out portion of fuck around and find out. Literally. Yes. That is where we have reached the, the, that part of the narrative. Yes. Yes. Everybody is, oh, if it's not the consequences of my actions, this chapter. Everybody. Yeah. Yep. The whole cast. Yep. In their own ways. I just got to say, also, when Dustin walks into the room, you can already see the blood on the chair behind him. Did he eat Yurtle? Oh, God. Yeah, probably. Yeah, he definitely right? definitely ate Yurtle, too. He ate Yurtle. Yeah, I didn't think about that. R.I.P. Yurtle. Chill. Yeah. I'm going to let the Indiana wildlife people know. Yeah, they're going to be really sad about that. It sucks. Yeah. Dart is kind of cute, but it does suck. The little baby demo boy. Know, he's kind of cute. He's pretty cute, right? With a little yes, face. The, just the, but I can't with the, <laughs> I can't with the the noises, the squelching, and the and the dead cat, and the, I can't. It's a lot. It's a lot. And I yeah. gotta say, of all the traumatic things that Dustin has seen, this it feels like seeing an interdimensional creature eating your pet cat. That feels fairly damaging to the psyche. I will say. Worse than seeing your best friend's body being pulled out of a quarry. Listen, I'm not saying it's the worst, but it's it's probably in the top five. <clears throat> Okay, it's up yeah. there. All right. That's probably number one right okay. now. But he's going to see worse, so it's okay. You're right. It just gets worse. Yep. It all gets worse. And Dustin has made a fatal error. Yes, he has. <laughs> not not for him, but it's fatal for someone. Yes. And it's the cat. Sorry, buddy. R.I.P. Muse. Marina is currently... Oh, right. You were frozen in a cringe. Like, it was just you cringing, frozen. I don't think I was frozen. Oh, I think cringing? I was just cringing for that long. <laughs> i was like what's going on no you were just you were just like that all right final scene at the pumpkin patch hopper is dig dugging his way down into a hole when he hits a (laughs) mysterious i can't i can't even read that word he hits a mysterious slurpy matter (laughs) slurpy he continues to stab it with his shovel this is so gross until it retracts and reveals a hole I can't. Hopper jumps into the hole, finding himself in a dark tunnel. The camera spins upside down and the chapter ends. Such a fantastic visual of him upside down in the like silhouetted. Mm -hmm. It's so good. Top five shots in the series for me. Yeah. Top five. It's one of those just good ones. Um, I need to say something very important that I heard in this scene. And I'm guessing by your face. I know yeah, okay. what. You yep. heard it too. Yep. 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 I wrote, uh, what was that? Was that a grandfather clock chime at 4303 right as the screen goes black? I thought you were talking about the cicadas. Oh, nope. I was talking about a grandfather clock that you can hear clear as day when the screen goes black. Damn it. <laughs> I think I'm going to have to go yeah. back and watch. I thought you were talking about cicadas. Nope. <laughs> I was not talking about cicadas. <laughs> but that's a great catch. Too. I got all excited. <laughs> I was like, she noticed the cicadas too. <laughs> no, just no, Vecna. It's just Vecna, not cicadas, unfortunately. <laughs> Though very similar because, uh, you know, cicadas do lie dormant for many years and then come sure. out to wreak havoc when they're ready, just like Vecna. Yes. Mm-hmm. It all connects. Right. Good. Good, good. <laughs> Okay. But yeah, there is a... The sky is very pretty. It is. Yeah. There's a just clear as day clock chime. I can't can't even deny that one. Like almost as bad as the one from season one. Yeah, with the ticking. Yeah. Remember? Yeah. In Elle's mind void. Yeah. When she finds the egg. (laughs) Yeah, the egg. And it's just, I mean, again, just clearly TikTok. 
All right. Well, that does it for the scenes. It's a clock. TikTok, it's a clock. The other time, though, before we finish, yeah. they do this spinny upside down camera at the end, too, with the snowball. Oh, yeah. When they flip the school over at the very end. Yeah. And I think that we can definitely talk about this perhaps in our next episode, which is about ecology and stuff. But I have Nick and I, we have we have drawn trying to comprehend what are the tunnels to the upside down? Are they the upside down? Are they actually under the ground trying to like place these tunnels? Right some like trying to make sense of them because this is where this season goes a little bit off for me like trying to understand the tunnels right because it, it does seem like they are actually part of the upside down because i think that there's like that atmospheric matter in there there's the wispy yeah, yeah nick said it's the confetti the, the upside down confetti yeah <laughs> the upside down confetti yep, it's definitely in there i i'm wondering if it's kind of like a precursor to what happens in season four where like like, maybe this was the plan at that point to, like, infiltrate the real world and they started doing it via these tunnels. I don't know. Because when Hopper lands, he doesn't flip upside down like in season four when they enter the little gates. True, true. He just lands straight down into them. Right. There's a lot. There's a lot going on yeah. that I don't think we have answers nope, for. we definitely do not. All right. MVP and LVP? Sure. All right. So for my MVP... I'm going with Nancy. Nancy. Yeah, she is so brave in this episode, extra brave. And mm-hmm. she, uh, you know, she makes a, a power move to basically. She does. Like, like intentionally get kidnapped by Hawkins Lab. You know, she doesn't know what they're going to do to her, but she is so desperate for the pursuit of the truth. And I love that for her. Mm-hmm. That is so fun. And I chose Joyce. And I feel like Joyce and Nancy are very yeah. similar. Yeah. Joyce is persistent and she is smart she thinks to have will draw what he's experiencing versus trying to like articulate it verbally she's also the one who pieces together somehow (laughs) that the drawings are connecting and without joyce's decisions in this chapter we don't have a season two as we know it that's so true so she really is an Mm -hmm. mvp because she just her contributions kind of power Mm -hmm. the season Nancy, too, though, like without her deciding to blow this wide open and burn it down, like we don't get the rest of the events of season sure. two. She has to go to Murray and that has to all happen and it has to happen that yeah. way. Yeah. So what about LVP? LVP? Yep. I wonder if we have the same one. I chose Billy because he is emotionally, verbally, physically abusive and racist. <laughs> it's a lot I of can't really get a read on on what he's doing to Steve, um, but he <laughs> he's really the worst in this chapter. Yeah. Like... I guess aside from sort of establishing himself as the non-supernatural villain, right? Yeah. He's an he's an antagonist. We don't really have one of those yet. In season 1 it was very clearly Brenner, but this is sort of our non-supernatural antagonist. Billy is just painful. I don't know what he's doing like 99% of the time. Yeah. Same. He's a complicated piece of shit. Yeah. That's a great way to put it. Mm-hmm. How about you? I'm going with Dustin again. I can't he's just this is like two in a row for Dustin two in a row he's just really not doing great he so he he's hiding dart from his friends and actively lying to them no and like I said he's knowingly hiding a dangerous thing and Mm. he is well he let his cat get eaten and probably his turtle 
And, you know, yeah. thank goodness that Dart didn't get further and eat Claudia. Like, he could have put his... his oh, no. Yeah, he could have put his mom in serious danger, too. And honestly, it kind of seems like Mike is the only one who cares about Will. Like, Dustin and, and even Lucas are just, like, not not even thinking about him at all, really. Lucas is very caught up with Max yeah. and trying to, like, include her, but also stay true to his friends. And Dustin is very into dart and you're right mike is like the only one at this point who is like uh guys where's will (laughs) like what's he doing is anybody concerned about his absence yeah okay poor dustin but i get it he is really he is really not doing great no he's super out of character in these you know in the beginning Mm -hmm. of the season so he does get better though real soon yeah okay i have both of these things but nothing crazy okay I have a 2023 only, but we we did kind of cover it already. So you just do yours. Well, what is well, it? What is it? What is it? What is it? Just that Nancy never would have been able to get into Hawkins' lab, let alone bring that recording device in. I said the same thing. I said I don't think the recording of Owen's confession would have really happened. No. I mean, maybe it would have been a voice memo. Yeah, maybe on an iPhone. Maybe, but I, on an iPhone, like maybe. But I'm guessing that even that would probably be confiscated in real life. Yeah, I think what we're probably getting at, because my other one, too, is I feel like modern technology would have made Dustin keeping Dart a secret a lot more difficult. Mm. I think really what we're both saying here is that this show just simply could not have happened in modern times because so much is reliant on how things were technologically or how things weren't. Yeah, keeping the secrets that all these people are keeping. Like, Elle could have just Googled Hawkins Lab, right? And found everything, and she wouldn't have to find a box under the floorboards. Like, that wouldn't have needed. (laughs) So, yeah, I think that's kind of the gist. All right. What about wrong answers only? Um, Why does the Mind Flayer like it cold? Mm -hmm. Why does the Mind Flayer like it cold? Well, I mean, okay. So, he's, he's definitely an interdimensional being, but I think above all... He is an evil being and hell is really hot, you know, mm. so I think he mm-hmm. just wants a little reprieve from that. It's, I, you know, I don't know if he's really in hell or has been to hell, but it does look like he is usually surrounded by lightning, which is really hot. So mm. he needs he needs okay. to stay cool. Yeah, All right. That's, that's it. I wonder what circle of hell, like for like as far as Dante yeah. is concerned. Where would he be? Right. Where would the mind flare be? Know. But he he is truly an eldritch horror. He really is. And I don't know about the circles enough to know where Same. those go. Me either. But somewhere very scary, for sure. Some kind of, maybe he's in purgatory. Oh, yeah. Because that's kind of what the upside down seemed like anyway, before true. it was shaped. Yeah, very true. All right, well, that's that's William the Wise. Yeah, and I, we want to say something because we were having a talk and we were like, okay, so we want to like ask people to leave us ratings. Yeah on apple and spotify and stuff like leave us some stars and we were like how do we get people to do that like i feel (laughs) we can't really ask them on instagram because like they might not see it and then amanda was like why don't we just ask them (laughs) like in the recording and we were like oh shit so we would really appreciate if you are enjoying listening to us maybe if you're not enjoying listening to us just go leave us a rating on apple and spotify because it would really help 
It does really help. It, you know, a couple of things that rating us does is A, make us look a little more legit, to be fair. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, it'd be great mm-hmm. to have some ratings. And number two, it helps bump us up in search suggestions on Spotify and Apple Music mm-hmm. so that we can be reached by a lot more people. So that would be super helpful. Yeah. Yeah. People who want to listen to podcasts about Stranger Things, if we have a decent number of ratings, I think it bumps up like where we appear in that search. Yes. Plus, I'm more likely to listen to a podcast if it has ratings. I agree. You know? Yeah. So we just wanted to extend the ask because we really appreciate everybody who's listening. And yeah. Yeah. Leave us a rating. Yeah. And we're all about honesty, you know? Don't don't feel the need to five star us if we're, if we're not five stars. One star. Yeah. Go for it. You know? Please don't. <laughs> I'd prefer you didn't. But, you know, if that's how you feel, that's fine. But... <laughs> Bro, you <laughs> That's enough SpongeBob for one episode. <laughs> All right, on that SpongeBob reference. <laughs> All right, everybody. Stay strange. Stay strange. <laughs> to keep in touch and stay informed about upcoming StarCourt Study Hall episodes, follow us on Instagram at StarCourt Study Hall. 